about the past, I, I really do feel like a large chunk of my early childhood was me just trying to explain myself or me just trying to feel visible. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. Born in Seoul, South Korea, Stephen immigrated with his parents to the Canadian province of Saskatchewan before the family took up residence in a suburb of Detroit. Stephen grew up singing in his church's praise band before heading off to Kalamazoo College, where he studied psychology. His parents' ambitions for their eldest son to become a doctor quickly faded after Stephen joined a student comedy troupe and fell in love with performing. After graduating, he joined the Second City Improv School in Chicago before making his way out to Hollywood, where he roomed with friends while he went out for auditions. In just a few months, he landed his breakout role as Glenn Ree in the smash hit AMC series The Walking Dead that's now having a second life on Netflix. After a six-year run, Stephen was ready to push his range, appearing in Okja, Sorry to Bother You, and Burning, among other titles. In 2020, he starred in and executive produced the film Minari, Lee Isaac Chung's heartfelt story about a Korean-American family who moves to Arkansas in search of their own American dream. With each new role, Stephen underscores his desire to push beyond the expected. Just look at his recent role in Nope, where he played an emotionally scarred child actor turned theme park ringmaster. Stephen and I are here to talk about his latest role in Beef, which positions him opposite Ali Wong in a face-off of epic proportions. Stephen was also an executive producer on the series, so we'll dig into the conversations both behind and in front of the camera. Stephen Yun, did I get it right? I've been, I mispronounce everything, and I you had did. such a joy that Conan O'Brien did the same for like three years, and you didn't correct him. <laughs> It, 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 like, made me love you even more. It's hard more. to find those avenues to correct, right? <laughs> oh, man. I took it as a sign of weakness, but for me, it was trying to be so, uh, when do you sneak that in? I know. And, and for someone that, and I talk about this a lot on my podcast, I'm dyslexic. I, I have so many malapropriasm. I mispronounce things. I invert letters. So I, I was just really relieved that to know that I was not alone in this uh, effort, but I always try to make, and that's how I oh, found- no harm, no foul. That's how I found that clip. It's like, it's like, I really want to make sure I get his name right. And then I just, I loved it. And- uh, oh, I appreciate it. Also, Walking Dead, in case you didn't know, is on Netflix. So I have a 15-year-old at home who's discovering this show for the first time. And Ooh. when I told him I was going to interview you, just he just about- you know, he was so excited and he was like, you know, it's really terrible. They killed his character and the showrunners. He just went into this like he had all of that. You know, I know when it went viral wow. before in real time, Glenn Ree is alive and well in our house, like was alive and well in our house as he is binging <laughs> all the episodes. <laughs> and I just think that that uh, awesome. is amazing. And and my producer, Isabel, just admitted that you are her favorite actor. So of all the 147 interviews I've done on this what? podcast that she has been here for, she just admitted that to me. She's in her 20s. She remembers watching First Discovering You on oh, Walking Dead as well. So this is a big day here at Skip Intro, Stephen. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for all the love. That's so kind. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, 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 uh, I'll receive it all. <laughs> 
in my awkward way. I get to talk to you about beef. That is something that I have never seen before that delivers on every level. I feel like this is going to be one of those shows that explodes in the zeitgeist in terms of all the important oh wow eyeballs that watch this stuff and comment on this stuff are, are going to love it. I have so many thoughts. Oh my God, thank you. I hope so. Yes. they. Do. First of all, okay. the acting is incredible. You play Danny Cho, and I related to a lot of the characters at different times. I have a whole list of questions I have for you that obviously we're not going to get to all of them. But my first one is, what about this show and this character spoke to you? You have an existing relationship with the creator of the show, Lee Sung Jin, who you call Sonny. How did this come to be and how mm-hmm. did he talk you into it? And how much did you put into this character? Because you're also an executive producer and you star opposite mm. Ali Wong, along with another a great cast. I will say that. I love mm. David Cho and I love the new Thank young you. actor that plays Paul. I think he's great. Oh, he's awesome. They're so great. I love our cast. I, I mean, I so... Sonny called me one time, one day, I was actually in New York on a different project. We were just talking. I'd met him a couple years back and we just really hit it off. Uh, we almost worked together on something that didn't work out and we just kept talking and he called me up and was like, hey, I'm just running through some ideas, chatting about stuff. And then he was, I'm also working on this idea for like a road rage thing where two people get into a road rage incident and they just spiral and like destroy each other's lives. And I was like, that, that one. Give me that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what's that one? And it just immediately piqued my interest. And him and I really often meet at this place of, I don't want to, I, I'm trying not to sound like so aggressively pretentious, but like this like existential, angsty, spiritual, deconstructive place where we're just like, what is this? And why is this? And what does it all mean? And, um, and we talk from that place often uh, for fun. if you can call that fun. And we really got into it with beef. We really talked a lot about like the way in which um, the world, especially at that time and still today seems so polarized. We were like, what is happening and why is this happening? And what is it? And we just wanted to explore that. And so that was really fascinating and interesting to me. And as we got into it and then Ali came on board, the thing really started making itself of like, of, you know, there's so many intersections of, you know, poles. It could be class, it can be race, it can be gender. There's so many things that we could kind of like do this and talk about with this show. And we just went for it. And for me, the thing that I really love that it ended up requiring me to explore was perhaps, you know, a lot of the unseen in maybe in, 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 a, in a shared life that Sonny and I come from and Ali come from and the rest of the cast come from, you know, we're, we're in a new era, uh, which is really exciting where we're expanding what it means to what points of view and what stories can be told. And I feel like the last decade has been really exciting to see all the different points of view that we can speak from and see and expand. But what was really exciting about beef was that it was kind of less concerned about dis like displaying or like planting the flag at the point of view itself and more just about excavating like the humanity within that space. That can only really come about in my opinion when you do a lot of the work of the identity and, and, and that particular point of view, but you just leave it in the background 
and you just leave it embedded into the back so that it's accessible to everybody. I think Danny and Amy and their worlds are maybe visually at times new or um, you know, in other ways new, but I think the thing that, you know, in the feedback that I've gotten from friends who watched it, it just feels like connection. It just feels like the human experience. And, um, yeah, that, I mean, I think that's what we're going for. And that was what was always exciting for me. That's how I, that's why I, I chose to tag along. Yeah. I would, I would echo your friends. That's how I received it. Uh, even though in, I guess you could look at it from the Asian diaspora, but for me, I was very relatable. Like I told you earlier, I related mm. to parts of you know, at certain moments to kind of each of the yeah. characters really when when Amy played awesome. by Ali Wong has that meltdown about motherhood and work and everything. I was like, ooh, ooh, it was like painful to hear. <laughs> like, do I sound like that? Did I say that? Oh my God. Uh but what is kind of amazing about what you all do is you're all kind of unlikable, but yet we are still rooting for you. And especially Danny. I mean, mm. he is someone that is like, there's a lot mm. of trauma and damage there. But, and he does some things where you're, you're just like, uh, it's kind of unbelievable. But yet we still root right. for you. And that's such a testament to your talent, I have to say, uh, Stephen, because oh, I think any actor that can can be kind of despicable, but yet we we feel for you, we have empathy for you, and we're actually in the end wanting you to succeed. It's such a needle to thread, mm. and it's not many can do it and do it so well. And that was something that I also picked up on this. Like that was that was really uh, impressive to me. Wow, that means a lot to hear that. Um, thank you. I, I think I appreciate that uh, people feel like they can connect to Danny and root for him. I think the challenge, you know, as an actor always is like, are you going to leave this character in judgment or are you going to love him too? It's not an easy journey at times um, because I think you got to excavate and face parts of yourself too that like maybe to yourself feel unlovable, but um, hopefully in the end we can, you know, connect that way. So I'm, you know, that feels really, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Thanks. That's like the best compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally from the heart. I, I, it is, it is such, a, I've been covering this industry for a long time and, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is another one that has that quality that that can do things, and and yet at the same time you 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 root for them. When you're developing this, what kind of input did you have in terms of your own character development and your own the bigger the bigger arcs, let's say, in this series? Mm. You know, it was it was really great because I didn't get to have too much input or sway in the larger plot narrative or the character arc. Um, and I think that was for good reason, um, because there's that point, at least for me as an actor in my process, where I start to heavily identify with the character that I'm playing. Um, and it's not like a method thing in that in that way. It just feels more like I, I'm, I'm sitting in an empathetic place for this person and I don't want him to be rendered in a way that seems unfair. I'm, I'm being protective of the character at that time. But that's where Sonny comes in and he's so great is that like he can always kind of be true to the story and true to the person from an outside view. And so, you know, for me, you know, my input was really largely limited to, it wasn't limited, we would always have discussions and he would just, you know, supersede mine, my, I'd be like, I don't know if Danny should do that. He's like, Danny's doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, um, 
And uh, it, we mostly talked about if I had a lot of input in the thing, it was more about like, what are we trying to say? And like, you know, what's our point of view? And who are, who, who are these, what are the things that kind of make this place um, authentic and real and feel true? And that was really exciting for me because I think, you know, beyond um, what to us was a central focus, which is like human connection, it was also really healing and fun to dive into the aspects of, you know, an unseen world to the general audience, um, to show the Korean church in a very specific way that is kind of rendered, in my opinion, in kind of a lack of judgment itself, but just like you can kind of gaze upon it, how the viewer can kind of gaze upon the church however they want to. It's not like pro-church or con or against church. It's kind of just like human beings are here too and look at what we do. And um, that was really interesting and funny and cringeworthy and hilarious and beautiful and liberating and also like deeply unsettling at the same time. It was like, <laughs> you're like unpacking, you know, uh, past experiences. And so those are the things that we really talked about between us. But in, in terms of plot points, Sonny was the was definitely the driver. I was just going to bring up that that scene. I think it comes in uh, episode three or four where you're we think I was so moved by that scene because when you walk into the church and you get and we already know that you, you know, you're a little bit lapsed or you've, you've kind of haven't been there a while. But for whatever reason, you're back in that church and how just being around that community and with what you're going mm. through in that scene where Danny just starts sobbing and it's like he's trying to control it. And it and at first it's like kind of funny and it's where that joy hits trauma, too. You know, sometimes we laugh mm. when we're most uncomfortable or most, you know, avoiding some kind like sometimes our reaction isn't what it should be. But when he just bursts you just sob. And I was so moved by it. But at the same time, it was so kind of funny because of the <laughs> situation. And then it was even more yeah. twisted because you're like, oh, this is going to be a cathartic change of direction in his life. And maybe this is what he needs. And then you're just twisting it again, which makes this show yeah. so brilliant because it's not mm. there's no answers for you. And it and it is something that and I think you've said this before and, and people always say this, you know, it's not necessarily an original thought, but like human life is funny enough. Everything we do in daily life yeah. can be you know, we're all human beings. Our humanity is is rather humorous on any given day. But that scene was so yeah. powerful to me. And I and I think about that experience, too. Like I grew up with a lot of religion in my household. My mother uh, was Maronite Catholic. I, I refer to it as an eight day a week Catholic. Religion was such a giant mm. part of our life. And it's so interesting mm. to see my siblings and I have moved away. None of us go to church anymore. None of us do it. But when I'm in a church, I do feel I have gone around the holidays or you do find yourself in a situation where you're back in church. And it does feel oddly familiar and cocoon-like. Uh, it, yeah. It's like it brings up a past. And I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about that for you and that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you know, that you, you nailed it. Like... You know, I would find myself and Sonny and I would talk about this. And I think that's what kind of brought up that scene was the two of us don't necessarily go to church anymore. But 
um, for me as an immigrant kid um, growing up in the Midwest, that was really my only real safe space. Um, and it wasn't particularly dangerous for me. I, I lived in the suburbs. It was, uh, we were fine. But like, in so much as that, like, I, I felt like I could put down um, a performance at church because it was kind of like, for, for us even more specifically, I think, I think you can identify with this. It was more like, because it was a Korean church, there was like another reality happening there too, where maybe the way you, the, the, maybe the ways in which um, we couldn't assert ourselves um, in, in wider America, we could at least feel for ourselves in, in that particular place. And, um, you know, we, we, I remember going back to church in my later years, um, in my later twenties after college, after I'd kind of stepped away from it for my whole college life, I went back and I just found myself like nearing tears every single time. Like, just like, you, they start singing praise songs. And I'm just like, why am I about to cry? What is happening? <laughs> and like the whole, and then, and then you're like looking at yourself crying. Like you're thinking about yourself and like, what are you, what are you crying about? What is this? And it took um, 39 years to maybe understand <laughs> what was happening, which is, you know, maybe not absolute for everybody, but like that moment for Danny, how I approached it was just, He's just carrying so much and like spinning all the dishes and all the plates. And he's, he's, he's just crank. He's just pushing all the buttons and like making this machine run when he's outside. But in that place, he can kind of just dissolve into the back and just kind of be there and he's accepted. And to kind of eliminate yourself from that internal voice that is so negative upon you, I think is such a beautiful and liberating and, um, you know, surprising feeling mm -hmm. that you didn't even know you were encountering until later. And I was surprised that you could sing so beautifully. I did not realize that it was in your <laughs> that arsenal was, that of was skills. Fun too. <laughs> also fun. I used to, I used to, in, at church, I did. I used to lead praise at church, and that was. It wasn't too cringe to approach that, but that was a very interesting scene to do that scene because it wasn't difficult to necessarily perform that, but it was surprising to see the final rendering that was captured on camera about it, and to watch yourself like because it wasn't a calculated thing where I was like. I'm going to make sure I jump this much or like I like call out this much or like I play this like this. It was just like, what will it be like if I just try to go back to what I used to do back in high school? And let's just see what that looks like on camera. <laughs> and that's what you get. All right. I want to ask you about Ali Wong. So mm. you you both were voice characters in the animated series Tuka and Birdie. But you never actually yeah. were in the studio together, correct? So this is the first time. Uh, very, very yeah, very rarely. rarely. Yeah. So this was the first time you were together, obviously collaborating, acting, share a lot of scenes. Very physical, too. I mean, in terms of opening scene in the car, the road rage scene. <laughs> and then as it goes on, obviously things escalate. But what was it like working with her as a, as a partner, as a sparring partner? Literally, think, you guys are. Yeah. Allie's. Allie. She is tremendous. She's, she, she holds so much power, so much presence. The cool part is like, 
as we kind of go on this ride, putting this show out and, and talking about it and experiencing it together, I'm getting to know her more. And um, I'm, I'm really kind of like enamored by how gracious she is and also how just kind of, I don't know, she's just really, I can only say like, she's just so dope. But playing against her was really fun because, you know, we only got specific moments in the earlier part of the, the run of really coming together. And each time we did, there was always this excitement to be like, where we were like, after we finished that, that particular scene, we were like, ooh, this is fun. Whenever we get together, it's really fun. There's something here. And, um, you know, the first one was just running in the first episode. And then it was like the parking lot scene. And then it was like, and it, we just kind of like bump into each other here. Or like even a phone call was really fun. Thank you for meeting me. So what? Waving the white flag, huh? Look, you fucking idiot. Your stupid robbery stunt has us both in deep shit, okay? What are you, I don't know what you're talking about. Tell your friend or your employee or whoever the fuck to maybe not wear a company t-shirt when committing a crime. The Chosen Ones? That's the dumbest name I've ever heard. It's not a dumb... Okay, what the fuck is a Koyo house? Koyo house? Look, the guy whose lawn we destroyed is out for blood. He has footage of both of our cars and wants to press charges. Y you don't understand. These people, they, they have nothing better to do. For all that to culminate into the last episode, I couldn't have asked for a better partner to, to do this with. So it was really, really incredible. Well, it's a real testament because your chemistry, it propels the whole series. Because even though you're not in the, on the screen, all, that's all the audience is thinking about is what's going to mm. happen. <laughs> it's all, it's yeah. all motivated and all the energy is around the two of you and your relationship, right? Even though you're yeah. in separate parts of the city living different lives and different realities mm. and that's what I love about that I think is so successful about the show is why it, it deals with it does deal with class and it deals with capitalism and what does wealth look like especially in America mm. that kind of part of that experience of trauma from your parents that can, you know all of that stuff I loved every all of those themes were amazing and it's like we're thinking about it even though we're not looking at you too you're thinking about you too, which I thought was super uh, clever and impactful, like really well done. Oh, awesome. Thank you. I mean, that, that's all credit to Sonny. I mean, he's the mastermind between behind all this. And so, you know, actually, yeah, I, I think, I think we, you know, the thing that we say a lot at the end of this experience is just like, we found a really incredible group of people down to every department and, you know, uh, Grace, our production designer, Helen, our costume, Harry, our editing is just like, there's so many people that got involved in this that like helped make this feel so authentic and true that I think allowed us to then talk about these larger themes that feel very, I, I, you know, as you're saying, I, I really hope very connected. So that's exciting to hear. Yeah, that. no, definitely. All right. I want to take you back to the beginning because you have a really interesting uh, trajectory of, uh, you know, you're four years old. You you move from Korea to, the, to Canada. Then you move. You end up in Detroit. You are at the last thing that your parents want you to be. <laughs> Most mm -hmm. parents, especially any any mm -hmm. child of immigrants, I think it's probably pretty true, is, you know, doctor, lawyer, some kind of dentist, some kind of profession, engineer, whatever it is, not an actor. 
or even worse, a comedian, (laughs) you know, like all of it. When did you begin to fall in love with performing? And how long did it take you to decide that acting was what you were going to pursue as a career? I think for me, I don't know how I found myself here. To be quite honest, when I think about the past, I, I really do feel like a large chunk of my early childhood was me just trying to explain myself or me just trying to feel visible. I think being very conscious of being displaced kind of follows me in my adulthood. I do remember, I I used to have this recurring nightmare where I would be walking down a hall, going into a kindergarten classroom and like Freddy Krueger would be waiting for me on the chalkboard. And (laughs) it's pretty gnarly. It went away. It went away, which is really cool. Like, I I think I processed that part of myself. But I remember I do have a distinct memory of being kind of dragged into a kindergarten classroom at four and just sat in front of Play-Doh. So it was just kind of this, you know, very isolating, very abandoned feeling that I think, honestly, a lot of immigrant children can relate to. You know, you're there's an abandonment that I think is is present in a lot of displacement in that way and so um i i don't know i just i i feel like i it kind of started there i kind of spent a lot of time explaining myself and um trying to get people to see me in a very specific way in a way that i wanted to be rendered and um growing up with that kind of chip Um, I found myself gravitating towards places where I could like kind of like really perform or like, you know, going to church and wanting to join the praise band. And um, uh, I didn't shy away. I remember early on um, in high school, I really wanted to be a sports center anchor. And like it was just like places where I could be seen. And, um, you know, it's 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 a strange thing because this business that I found myself in, I don't know if you'll ever be seen (laughs) and maybe the business is actually about not being seen. And I think I have to reconcile myself to that, which is, which is fine. I, I, I stepped to that. Um, but, um, I found myself kind of just like in college, I, I, I remember going to watch this improv show and, uh, for my school's team Monkapult and just being like, well, you can do that. And I just took these steps after step by step and, um, moved to Chicago, step by step, got a chance to move to Los Angeles, landed on this crazy show, Walking Dead. And um, I don't know, I can't, I can't really define anything, but just feeling incredibly fortunate. Like I feel so lucky um, for this life. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I, I wish I had like this, like, this plan, but <laughs> it it never works out the way that I thought it would. And um, I'm very grateful to be here. It's really wild. It's it's incredible if, if you actually really think about it. I mean, for an actor, I would say you were definitely born on a sunny day, you know, to go to college mm. and to go to Second City and then decide to move to L.A. And, you know, you got roommates, you're auditioning. It's a story that we've heard a, a million times. Uh, Mm. But the part of that story where it takes a sharp right turn is, you know, within a few months, you land on one of the biggest series of all time. It ran for 11 seasons. 
I would imagine that the confusion on your parents was short-lived because before they know it, you're on, on TV and you're playing this character that's so beloved. Audiences really responded to, to that mm. character. That is that is luck that, you know, obviously it's, it's talent and it's and it's being in the right place at the right time and the right show at the right moment. But you have to be good to get that job. I think, too, like the luck for me, as I've defined it now, is certainly all these opportunities and specific instances that I that I find myself being able to touch. But also the luck has for me has been like so many of the closed doors. I, I found myself like. And, you know, I can always say, like, maybe I'm just like, you know, reconstructing the narrative and saying like, oh, I'm so lucky that that door closed and that was open. But I I was really, you know, there was a lot of things that I wanted from like from a from my head, it was from an ego level in my head. I was like, I want that. I want, you know, to do that. And I want the first I want to be the first to do that. And um Every time I thought I was close to touching that, it was like, oh, you can't have it. Someone else is going to take it and you can't have this. And that door is closing. And I don't know what it was, but like the pivot was always so much better. It was just so much better. And um, I'm very thankful for that. You know, I remember um, it, it, it kind of comes down to like, I just saw this on the Internet Um doom scrolling but um <laughs> there's this i saw this little thing come up uh this instagram video where they're talking about that chinese proverb of like you know this horse this son and this father have this horse and the horse uh, runs away and the villagers are like oh no that's so tragic that your horse ran away and, he, and then the father's like we'll see if it's good or bad and the horse comes back with three horses and then they're like, oh my gosh, what's such good fortune? Um, you have three more, you have two, three horses now. He's like, we'll see if it's good or bad. And the son is training the new horse and it bucks him and he breaks his back. And they're like, oh no, how tragic for your son. And it's like, we'll see if it's good or bad. And then the government comes and says like, we're, cons- we're, 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 we're signing up soldiers for the war, all you healthy young men. And his son doesn't have to go to war because he broke his back. And he's like, we'll see if it's good or bad. And it just keeps going that way. And I don't know. Like that's, that's the same way I feel. I'm just like, you know, oftentimes I sit here, I'm like, how the hell did this happen? How did I get here? And, um, I've been very thankful. I think that I've had a wife, uh, a partner that just tells it true. Um, I remember her, after our first kid was born, I was like so tired and like looking so haggard and I just finished walking dead. And I was like, babe, what am I going to do? Like, I look terrible. Like, I'm, how am I going to work? I'm an actor. How am I going to do this? And she was like, that's just what you look like. And that freed me. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yo, thank you. That's so true. That's just what I look like. And, you know, sometimes you just need like the sharpest mirror. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God. That's just what you look like. And then you, I mean, but your choices are great. You make really bold choices. And it's not, and I, I, as someone that's just watching as an audience member, I I love that about about you. Because I think there is a lot of fear in this profession of, well, I 
you know, now I'm seen as this one thing. I have to, you know, that's what's coming my way. It takes sometimes a lot of effort to pivot in another direction and be like, no, I want to play the Mm. bad guy. Or no, I'm going to star in Minari. I'm going to star in this movie, this slice of life movie. It was obviously a great a great film and a great movie mm. that then went on to get an Oscar nomination and you got an Oscar nomination for Best Actor. It also earned your co-star, Yoon Ye Jung, an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Even that, you know, it's if you look objectively from the 30,000 foot view of your career, it's like you've checked, check, check, check. You've hit a lot of boxes and broken down some doors as well. Thanks thanks for that. I, I, I think I just land where I said before. I just don't, I mean, I, I am making choices. I am saying no. I think for me, maybe I need to recalibrate how I const- how I kind of define and see the past. At times it's just felt natural. It's just felt like, oh, that's the next story I'm, I have to tell, or that makes sense to me. Or um, it comes down to simply, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't really fare well when I feel defined for some reason. I repel that in a way, and so I just look for the complete opposite. And in the search for the complete opposite, sometimes the complete opposite doesn't appear. Instead, like this third option that I never considered just kind of comes. And it's like Minari with like, you know, a script that lands that says like, hey, you know, my agent, uh, Christina, just goes like, hey, I, I have this script written by your cousin. I'm like, what are you talking about? Who's my cousin? He's like, I don't know a cousin in this business. And it's like, Isaac. I'm like, oh my God, Isaac, Joe, my wife's cousin. And we never, we barely talked before then. We never talked about working together. I didn't even know if Isaac was making things anymore. And just to see that script and like read it and just get, it just landed in such a way. And, and then for things to write themselves too, you know, approaching that script, I like flailed about being like, please change it. I want to play like the son grown up. Can we go back and forth in time? Can we, can I not play it? And then he's like, I think you got to play this father. And I'm like, I can't, like, how could I play this father, this Korean dad? Like, how could I do that? And the journey that that took me on was just incredible. And so, yeah, I just, uh, (laughs) I don't know what it is, but like, I just keep getting, you know, finding myself being able to throw myself in a fire and, um, I think I'm very deeply thankful for that, mm. as 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 gnarly as it can be at times. What do you remember most about that whole experience of the film being nominated, you being nominated, like that whole experience now that you've had some distance from it? Is there a memory that sticks out? You know, if I'm if I could be very candid, I remember feeling like I remember feeling like I was there with Isaac and myself and Emil and the rest of the team. And we were just like, I feel like we got, I think that we got in here as ourselves. And that was a really interesting feeling. I don't say that lightly either. Um, I think all things require perhaps this cosine or like needing to bring something with you or like being defined as a way to enter or be received, um, especially in something as big as that. And, you know, we were in the cover of COVID. We were in the darkness of of COVID. And it was, the pandemic was, you know, I remember that Oscars was very, very strange. It was the one where we were like, should we be doing this? Like, should we be here? 
Um, and I'm thankful for that too. Um, I, I, it, it was a, it was, it was deep and subtle and kind of like short and, um, we just went back to it. You know, there wasn't this prolonged thing. It was just like, cool. Like their pandemic is our backdrop. So like, let's just celebrate this year's films. And I remember being, thinking about all the films that were there, like Sound of Metal, Chloe Zhao's film was there. Mads Mikkelsen's film was there. The common theme that it felt like was I was like, this is such a very human Oscars. Not that others aren't, but like that one was just like of a feeling. It felt like of a feeling, mm -hmm. if that makes it sense. Does. And maybe no one will remember, but that was cool. Well, I, yeah, you're true. <laughs> it's like the, the COVID year, of course. All right. So mm -hmm. talking about a feeling, feeling reverberated, knowing that you are going to be joining the Marvel Universe Right, As, especially with my teenager. Are you excited about that? Yeah, I really am. I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity. I think I'm excited for it. I'm excited to work with friends, and I'm excited for new challenges. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. But I know it'll take, you know, it'll have its own journey. <laughs> I think you also get to work with Florence Pugh, who's one of my all-time favorites. Oh man, I'm. I'm stoked for that whole cast. Florence is so dope. I'm such huge, huge admirers of all of them. You know, Wyatt, so cool. David, so cool. Like everybody involved is going to be cool. All right. Well, my last question, which I every season I pick a theme and the last couple themes have been really deep <laughs> and thought provoking. Mm. And I was like, let me just go for something super shallow and easy and fun. So my question for everybody this season is, what do people say to you when they recognize you on the street or think they recognize you? I often get, I'm sorry that they killed you. I was so mad that they killed you, which is really, which is really interesting and cool. And yeah, it's uh, that they usually say that. Yeah. I'm trying to think, but usually, usually they're very, they're, they're still processing the death of Glenn, which is, which is really fun. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Has your son gotten to that? Your son has gotten to that part. He's just in gotten series? to that part. He just has gotten to that part. He hasn't seen Minari, but he only knows you from Walking Dead and then the announcement in yeah. Marvel. So, of course, he's both my boys are in that Marvel. They know more than I do. Oh, man. They, they tell me. Tell them I said thank you for this. Yeah. They tell me what's happening in, in that universe more than, than I would be clocking it. But I am so pleased that I got to meet you and talk to you. So this is a real yeah, treat. Yeah, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. And Beef is amazing. So I will... Thank you, Krista. Just say congratulations for that. And everybody listening to this will definitely watch. I think it's going to be a giant hit. That's really it for right now. So until the next time, Stephen. Yes, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Nice to talk to you. Beef is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueUE.com. Thank you.